Welcome to the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. To stay connected, go to revivaltoday.com. And now, here is Evangelist Jonathan. Proverbs 11:8. The godly are rescued from trouble, but it falls on the wicked instead. Turn to Esther chapter 7. Welcome everybody that's watching online. You have time uh, to, even though I mean to preach short tonight, you'll still have time to Instacart grape juice and crackers if you don't have them. Make sure they're grape juice and crackers, not Skittles and Sprite or whatever. Some lunatic church you went to told you you can substitute. You know, we didn't have any grape juice, so we used Coke and Starburst. Well, it doesn't count. Hate to break it to you. It's called the Holy Communion, not the vending machine communion. Esther 7.10. If you're watching online, then you already have my title. Understanding the law of divine substitution. Esther chapter 7, verse 10. Now, obviously, I'm not going to take you through every instance of this in the Bible because we have church in the morning. But I'm going to show you that law that's in Proverbs 11:8 that there's harm that's planned for the righteous, but it, it doesn't just evaporate. It goes on the wicked instead. Esther 7, the Bible says in verse 1, So the king and Haman went to Queen Esther's banquet. On this second occasion, while they were drinking wine, the king again said to Esther, Tell me what you want, Queen Esther. What's your request? I'll give it to you, even if it's half the kingdom. Queen Esther replied, If I've found favor with the king, and if it pleases the king to grant my request, I ask that my life and the lives of my people will be spared. For my people and I have been sold to those who, who wound, who would kill, slaughter, and annihilate us. If we had merely been sold as slaves... I would remain quiet, for that would be too trivial, tr too trivial a matter to warrant disturbing the king. Who would do such a thing? King Xerxes demanded. Who would be so presumptuous as to touch you? Esther replied, This wicked Haman is our adversary and our enemy. Haman grew pale with fright before the king and queen. Then the king jumped to his feet in, then the king jumped to his feet in rage and went out into the palace garden. Haman, however, stayed behind to plead for his life with Queen Esther, for he knew that the king intended to kill him. In despair, he fell on the couch where Queen Esther was reclining, just as the king was returning from the palace garden. The king exclaimed, Will he even assault the queen right here in the palace before my very eyes? And as soon as the king spoke, his attendants covered Haman's face, signaling his doom. Then Arbona, one of the king's eunuchs, said, Haman has set up a sharpened pole that stands 75 feet tall in his own courtyard. He intended to use it to impale Mordecai, the king who saved the king, the man who saved the king from assassination. Then impale Haman on it, the king ordered. So they impaled Haman on the pole he had set up for Mordecai, and the king's anger subsided. Some translations tell you that he was he was hanged from that pole. So Haman set up the, the poles to hang the Jews on, but Haman hung from his own gallows. There's trouble planned for the wicked, but it falls on their own heads instead. 
This is the law of substitution that God doesn't just deliver you of your trouble. The trouble comes on the person that, it, that, that uh, intended it for you. And if you think that's unkind or don't like it, then you can have a chat with God later and say that you don't care for his personality and that he needs to become more Christ-like like you. But that's God. God doesn't just deliver people. He takes Proverbs 11, 8. There's a law of substitution that the thing that was meant to harm you comes and falls on the person who planned it instead half the reason that God told you not to plan trouble for people or avenge people because you'll enter into a law where he that lives by the sword dies by the sword. And you don't want, you know, you hear how I preach and how pro second amendment I am, but I don't carry a weapon for that reason. Because if you get into that life where you're going to take care of everybody and teach everybody a lesson, even if you're justified, you get on the wrong side of the way things work. But then God said, if you'll lay low and leave it to him, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, and not I might repay, I will repay. So Haman hung from his own gallows. I want to tell you, since it's the first weekend of a new month and we're coming into the last third of the year, that you're going to watch in September, October, November, and December on a national level, the trouble that's being planned for the people of the United States is actually going to come back on the people that are planning it. And there's going to be great victories that are won on the national level. Not one or two. It's going to be four months of watching the wheels come off of Pharaoh's chariot. Because the devil does not have permission, as you hear my Uncle Ted say. The devil does not have permission to write the last chapter of your life or of this nation's uh, history. That God is going to intervene and give one more hour of daylight for the work of God to be done. Can you say amen? If you're thankful for that, can you give the Lord a great big hand clap on this communion service? Somebody shout hallelujah. Go back to Exodus chapter 4. Understanding the law of divine substitution. Exodus 4, 21, the Lord told Moses, when you arrive back in Egypt, go to Pharaoh and perform all the miracles I've empowered you to do, but I will harden his heart so he will refuse to let the people go. Then you will tell him, this is what the Lord said, Israel is my firstborn son. I commanded you, let my son go so he can worship me. But since you have refused, I will now kill your firstborn son. That's Exodus 4.23. Since you refuse to let my son go, I will kill your firstborn son. Everybody say divine substitution. First Pete, and by the way, when was that enacted? What enacted that substitution where the death and slavery and torture that was on God's people was then transferred onto their captors? It was a miracle meal. The, the blood that was shed from that spotless lamb and applied to the doorposts of their home, and then the unleavened bread when it was eaten, put that law of divine substitution into effect. Can you say amen? Isaiah 53, if you would. Isaiah chapter 53. Isaiah 53, verse 4. This is a messianic prophecy by Isaiah that's referring to Christ. Yet it was our weakness he carried. When it says our, it's proper because he did carry all of our weaknesses. But when you read it, make it personal. That when Jesus went to the cross, he took every weakness that was meant to be in Jonathan Shuttlesworth. Spiritual weakness, mental weakness, abdominal weakness, uh, hip weakness, 
any, any weakness. It was our weakness he carried. By the way, we mention this every month, but that's only 12 times a year. The crucifixion was supposed to take three to four days. Jesus died in a handful of hours. Part of that was because he was not just hung there like the two thieves. It was put on him. Everything the enemy would ever intend to put on me or to put on you was put on Christ Jesus. It was our, everybody say divine substitution. It was our weakness he carried. Whose weakness? It's a blasphemy to the great work that Christ did for you to carry weakness. Because a great price was paid for me to be strong all the days of my life. The devil has no right to lay on you what's already been laid on Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? Amen. It was, oh, amen. It was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. So I, there's no, there's no <laughs> chance that I'm going to be a sorrowful person. I don't care what happens. Jesus took my sorrow. That's why even if you've experienced very harsh things, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord is upon me, Jesus said, to bind up the brokenhearted and to set at liberty those who have been bruised. Both of those things go together. Bind up the brokenhearted. If you go to secular counseling, they'll tell you there's certain things that happen in life that you'll just live with that your whole life. Well, without Christ, that's true. Then it'll eventually kill you and wear on your health. But part of the work Jesus did was not just to take stripes on his back so that we can be physically healed, but there's an anointing he loosed to bind up the brokenhearted and then to set at liberty them that have been bruised. Some people have dealt with things in life that they didn't even have any say in when they were four or five years old, six years old. <laughs> I've been watching Michael Ted preach and it's been cracking me up and I think I'm the only one that it cracks up. But he's been calling, <laughs> he's been calling people out of the crowd or the uh, parent will come and bring their child to get prayed for and say, my child needs help. And he'll say, no, actually they're fine. You're the problem. And, and, and many of us know that. That's <laughs> I think when you turn 70, you just say whatever you want. Of course, he's been doing that since he was about 23, so it doesn't apply there. But it's true. There's some people, they deal with things. They've been bruised by things in their upbringing. And again, you'll be told outside of here that uh, you'll deal with that your whole life. And there, we, how many of you know, sadly, you hear that from pulpits even now, too, because people don't study. They just watch TV. I mean, you know, we all carry wounds from our past. Uh, you, you actually can flush that back whatever toilet you found it in, because that's not what the Bible says. Jesus came to set you at liberty. The bruises aren't fake. He came to deal with the real bruises of life. When we receive this communion tonight, everything that life has done that's bruised you, you're never going to be troubled by that thing again. It'll be like before it ever happened. Even when the thought comes back into your mind, it'll have no power over you whatsoever in Jesus' name. If you receive that, go ahead and give the Lord a great hand clap tonight. Hallelujah. It was, everybody say, it was my sorrow that weighed him down. You know, if you buy a uh, terrible car and you get a terrible loan deal because you had a bad credit score and you just, you didn't know anything about that stuff. I remember when I was younger, you know, my dad said, what did you get for an interest rate? Uh, how? Why did you agree to that? I didn't even know. I just signed whatever they, they gave me. So let's say you were in a position like that. You got a bad car at a bad rate to pay off. And um, then somebody comes and finds out about it and says, you know what? That guy took advantage of you. I'm going to pay for that whole car and goes in and writes a check. 
Can they come to you and say, uh, we, even though that guy paid for it, you need to keep paying? No. He was your substitution. So Jesus didn't buy your car. He bought your sorrow. He bought your disease. He bought every wicked thing that the enemy puts on people, and you don't have to pay a bill that's already been paid. That's why the, the secret to healing is faith in Jesus Christ. What's faith? Believe The things that I just said, like the last three sentences. Believing that those things are so, when you believe them, it's accounted as righteousness unto you. For who has believed our message, and to whom is the strong right arm of the Lord revealed? There's something about the nature and makeup of God. that he's a faith God that when you say well that sounds a little hard to believe then you don't get it but if you say Lord I believe that I believe that though I've never seen Jesus I was not at the crucifixion I believe that you sent your son to fulfill all those messianic prophecies when you believe that with your heart the strong right arm of the Lord is stretched forth to you that's why we do this every month why wait why wait you should look at this as like health treatments and what people pay for counseling and all that. You will get that in these communion services. Don't wait till you're sick and dying to immerse yourself in church. Just consistently receive the treatments that heaven gave, like the Holy Communion that put fresh blood in you, fresh vitality in your body, healing in your emotional realm in Jesus' name. It was my sorrow that weighed him down. So I I refuse to be sorrowful, ever. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But he was pierced for my rebellion. He was crushed for my sins. Everybody say law of substitution. Law of substitution. Well, that was, I, uh, you know, God knows what a great sinner, what a bad sinner I was. No, he doesn't. There's been a substitution that's been done if you're born again. Now, if you're not born again, then you can become born again. And repent of sin and be done with it. So he takes your sorrow. Uh, we're going to read, he takes your disease. He takes the things that have bruised you. Every negative thing. I mean, if, if you want, we could stay here all night. I, I could show you probably 30 or 40 or 50 different things that Christ took in that law of substitution so that we don't have to take. There's so much in this communion. That when you take it, instead of going through 50 independent things, you can sum it up in one word. That you might, he was crushed or broken so that you might be whole. W-H-O-L-E, whole. The things that would damage you and shatter you, sickness, divorce, abuse, the harsh things people go through, he was broken. How do we serve the bread? Do you serve, if, if we were going to do it with unleavened bread, like they do in some churches, and you can do that. If, how do they serve it? Does everybody take a bite out of the loaf and pass it around whole? No, you break the bread, symbolizing Christ's body that was literally broken, that your body and your life can be whole through Christ. Everything that's functioning in your life that represents brokenness and shattered and and all those synonyms, Jesus paid a price for that. You leave here tonight every whit whole in the name of Jesus Christ. If you believe it, let your amen be the loudest. And I don't mean to get into this like every message, but you know, when those commercials come on, are you preparing you for sickness, preparing you to get medicated? I'm not getting my mind on a, on a weakening. He took my weakness. I'm not getting weaker. I'm getting stronger. 
You're not getting, if you attend this church, you will not get weaker, you'll get stronger. This church will be full of unusually healthy people. I don't care if they're cooking things up in the lab specifically to make people sick. The Bible says, what are those called? If they're coming up with something in a laboratory right now to release to the United States population, you know, when you read like, like just conservative stuff, they'll tell you about all that and then go, so you need to educate yourself. Okay, I'm educated. What do you want me to do now? You said it's going to kill everybody if they release it. Well, you need to know about it. Okay, I know. <laughs> Step one's knowing. Step two, there needs to be something to do about it. You're not giving me anything to do. Those, so, those 5G towers were going to fry people's brains and accelerate cancer. Okay, now that I know that, what do you want me to do? You need to educate. Okay, well, I, I understand. You need to get the word out. Yes, but I'll still fry. So the Bible doesn't just educate you. It gives you a path out. Can you say amen? amen? So let's say they are cooking something up to release on the population to try to go back into what they did before. Number one, it'll fail. Number two, what, what is the old English word for incurable sickness or disease? It starts with a P. Plague. It's a plague. So if you're cooking up a plague, all that is is a plague. And the Bible says part of that covenant, Psalm 91, is no plague will come near your dwelling. The devil can't catch God off guard because God knows the end from the beginning. So God already said in the last days there would be plagues, plural, and then made provision for it that the blood of the covenant restricts any plague from coming near your dwelling. Can you say amen? <laughs> That's why, really, I, I've tried to be kind, but I can't take looking at masks. There's somewhere I'm invited to, there's somewhere I'm invited to preach and I, I, I was watching them on YouTube, and there's a bunch of people on the platform wearing masks. I said, if they're requiring people to wear masks that are near the preacher, tell them I'm not coming. I'm not looking at that. Because if you see somebody in a mask, now, if it's a regular person, that's fine. But for a minister or people, tell me what weakness there is in the covenant that the mask makes up for. See, it shows me you don't know something. Well, we need to be use wisdom. What wisdom is there outside of the covenant to supplement the covenant? Can you say Amen. I want to know what I have to supplement my covenant with. Well, we, you know, yes, God is a healer, but there, God also made these vaccines. Uh, that's not a scripture. So I'm not telling you, you I'm not telling you not to get. Uh, am I not telling you? I'd get so drunk on what the Bible says that it's not a matter of making it. It's I don't need those things. It's not whether I believe in him or don't believe in him. I have God is all sufficient. What part of all sufficient do modern ministers not understand? All sufficient. He's all sufficient for my health. Look at all the things this church is doing. PNC is not consulted. No banks have helped. It is the all sufficiency of God that is funding and healing and giving momentum and, and blessing our efforts and our lives. And now that you're plugged into this church, that thing flows into you and your family and your children and your children's children. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God for his own sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that we might be whole. And by his stripes, you are healed. 
Divine substitution. He took my stripes so that I can be healed. Turn to 1 Peter 2.24. 1 Peter 2.24. Anybody have it already for me? Anybody? Everybody's looking at me like I'm holding a 45 in your direction. <laughs> Let me hear it out loud. 1 Peter 2.24. Read it one more time. Nice and loud. You have a good voice. Read the first part one more time. He, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross. For what reason? For what reason? It's in the middle. Everybody. What's the reason in the middle? So we can be dead to sin. I mean, no, we all sin. No, that's the opposite of what the Bible says. Jesus carried sin. You understand this law of divine substitution is what separates Christianity from all the other religions. Buddha didn't do anything for you. He said, I found a path to peace. And if you do what, what the things I found, you also can find peace. Jesus said, I am peace. I took the things in me that would rob you of your peace so that you can have peace. You know, and I, I won't get into Muhammad, and, but they don't, they don't even offer that. You know, if you're watching, in, I'm on television in Palestine. If you're watching in your, you would have to agree with me. The, the Quran is not telling you that Muhammad did a supernatural work so that you can be free. It's, that's not taught there. It's not taught in Hinduism. Those gods don't claim to do anything for anybody. You're called to do something for them. Christ, the Bible says, we didn't love him first. We love, he loved us first. He did these things before you were born. He did all these things so that you can have this litany, peace. I mean, what? it's like a buffet, peace, joy. Everybody say righteousness. righteousness. He took, he personally, he didn't send an angel to do it. Jesus came and personally carried our sins in his own body, not just so we can be forgiven of sin, so that we can be what? dead to sin. There will be no arguments in a cemetery tonight among the people laying there. There will be no assaults. There won't be any uh, uh, rape but from one corpse to another. Do you know why? They're dead. And when you're dead to something, you're dead to it. You don't, it has, there's no, nothing there. So the, the work that Christ did was not just for the forgiveness of sin. It was to deaden you to sin. There's people sitting here right now. There were, you, you lived in the world a handful of years ago. And then now those things, do, if the same people called you from seven years ago and said, you want to go out, or you want to go on a trip, a girl's trip to whatever city, to, to, to L.A. or Miami, or when, just have fun, want to go to the Caribbean together, we'll all take our breaks. That enticed you before, but now it would have the same feeling to you as if they said, you want to take your vacation time and come help me move? No, I don't. Uh, I'm, I'm busy that week. I'm reorganizing my sock drawer. 
So it's not, see, and if, if you take this part out of Christianity, then it's people that want to sin, being told not to sin anymore, but you, you can only for so long not do what you want to do. But then when God takes the old wicked heart out and replaces it with a holy heart, then you're not sinning, not because someone you don't want to get yelled at at church or, or whatever. There's no desire there. When we receive this communion tonight, every sinful thing lurking in your body, the Jesus that carried that away, that law of substitution is invoked in the name of Jesus Christ. Go ahead and clap your hands. Give the Lord a mighty shout. Come on, give Jesus a mighty shout. Now say it so the devil can hear you. I'm dead to sin. You should yell that out, whatever, um, the people watching me online, whatever church you go to. If they say, how many of you know we all sin, you should shout that right out. I'm dead to sin. They might get mad, but God won't. God will give you a hand clap. Amen. Everybody say, I'm dead to sin. Let me see the rest of the verse. 1 Peter 2, 24. So that we can be dead to sin and live for what's right. By his stripes, you, who, yeah, who is King James? What does it say in the New King James, end of, end of it? By his stripes, you were healed, past tense. I need God to heal me. No, you need to find out what God already did on your behalf. He's not going to, he's not going to heal. We believe God's going to heal. What do you believe he's going to do? You believe he's going to send Jesus back and take another stripe on his back? Because you wouldn't read or listen about him taking the other ones? There's nothing more for God to do. There's just the work of people finding out what God's done. Who was on the, uh, who was on the outreach team today? Yeah. See, that's the work of the gospel. God's not going to do anything about those people. He did everything he's going to do. The job now is left to the body of Christ to tell people what Christ has already done. And then, then believe it. And as soon as they believe it, kaboom. It's accounted as righteousness unto them. And the thing begins to work. Can you say amen? amen. What a wonderful thing to be a part of. 2 Corinthians chapter 8. Second Corinthians chapter 8. Verse 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich, yet for your, your sakes, see this is all for our sakes. Jesus didn't do anything for himself. He was already in heaven. He wasn't trying to get, he's already the most high. So everything he did was for us. He wasn't trying to prove a point. He was rescuing man. Second Corinthians 8, 9. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. Though he was rich, yet for your sakes, whose sakes? He became what? So that by his poverty, he could make you what? Everybody say divine substitution. So the same way you don't belong broken or bruised or sorrowful or sick, you don't belong poor or middle class or upper middle class. You belong rich. See, the amens are tailing off because people don't. But you read it there. I didn't say, now listen, before I came, I want to add something to the scripture. I had a dream 
And Jesus came to me in the dream and told me this. This is 2 Corinthians 8, 9. It's in the Bible. And if you don't like it, you can rip it out, but it's still there anyway. You know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that he became poor, that though he was very rich, he became poor, that by his poverty, he could make you rich. That's what the Bible says. Does that, is that an affront to the rest of Scripture? Does that not line up with the rest of the Bible? The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich. And, I, I'm, I, you know, it's a Saturday night. You have a, probably a, a upper crust of Christians that have come as far as commitment-wise. You know, some people have a hard time getting to the God supplies your needs part. Well, yeah, I guess you can supply your it doesn't. That's part of it. You know, and that is a good, good promise to lay hold to. When, you, when you're two rent payments behind and going to get evicted and you're a single mom or whatever, God will supply your needs. But that's not the end of it. God will make you rich. The blessing of the Lord makes a man rich and he addeth no sorrow. That's what the Bible says. And Abram was very rich in livestock, silver, and gold. And Isaac planted in the midst of a famine and, he, and reaped a hundredfold. Next verse. He became a very rich man and his wealth continued to grow. I'm watching my friend Doug that I called up last night. You know, he had that business, County Pump, in um, his home state of Massachusetts, and then felt to come down here, and his brother's running that, and they're having their best year last year and beating that this year. Then he got the idea to launch it down here. Then went after a rental property. I'm watching people that are young. You know, that's where people get discouraged. You know, I don't have much. Well, you don't have to stay saying that. If you'll believe it, the same way it would be asinine for a sick person to say, I know the Bible says that, but I'm sick. Yeah. But you can lay hold to it and be healed. And where you are now is not where you have to stay. The same law of substitution where Christ took your sickness so you could be whole. He became poor that by his poverty he could make you rich. And, I, you know, some, one of the things you have to get people interested in about rich is, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I can't relate to quite a few people. Somebody told me not long ago, they said, well, that's not really important to me. You know, I have everything I want. So your whole vision for your life revolves around you having what you want. I have what I want. I got a closet full of suits. I, there's nothing, there's not one thing that I, that I'm, I, I personally like. I have ice cream in my, I like ice cream. I like playing video games. I have that. You know, I'm very happy personally. You know, here's a thought. Maybe get your eyes beyond you and your own family. Because when the Bible says it's more blessed to give than to receive, it is more blessed to give. There is more personal joy in giving to someone else than anything you would receive yourself. That's a fact. I've bought very expensive things for people before. In fact, I, Father's Day, I wasn't with my dad. I was preaching on Sunday. Monday, I was preaching in, in uh, Texas near Dallas, and he was preaching in South, South Texas. I said, where's your connection flight when you go home? He was only preaching one day. He said, uh, Dallas. I said, well, just skip the rest of the flight and then come see me. And let, let's go spend some time together. I don't have to preach till 7 at night. You know, I didn't get to see you for Father's Day. What are the chances we're within? You're going to be in the same city as me. Let's go out. You know, there's people here. Your dad is gone now. So they're, they're and I'm not saying my, I'm not being morbid, but people don't live forever. It's appointed every man wants to die after that the judgment. I'm not waiting until people are dead to appreciate them. So when he landed in the morning and we met up, I took that guy out 
and, and spent money like Jesus was coming in nine hours. I spent so much money, not church money, so relax. I, I spent uh, so much money that my credit card company called me the next day and said, we're sorry that your credit card's been stolen. We're working to send you another one. And we've shut it down. I said, no, that was all me. They said, are you sure it was all you? And they said, let us read it back to you. I was like, yeah, that was me. That was me. So I was spending money on my father to the extent of someone would spend it if they stole a card. I took my dad to a suit store in, um, in uh, Plano, Texas. I think it's Plano. And got him measured for a custom suit, pick out the material and all that. And then I took him to a bunch of stores. Ralph Lauren, purple label, their highest label, bottom. Had, told him, pick out anything he wanted and just paid it. You know what I found while I'm on this subject? You think that's a stupid use of money. Ask my wife how many times I've done that. It's why she never said, you're going to spend all that on your dad. What about us? There's never been a time I've done that for my dad or my mother or my wife. And God not bring the money back like immediately. It's like God saying, good. Who's the one that said honor your mother and father? Who said that? God. So when you do it, when you gain God's approval in how you do your money, God gets you more money. So I'm not just talking about, see, I'm talking about how it's more blessed to give. You think I want to talk about the church? I'm telling you, there is a different life when you can walk and scan with your eyes to see who's hurting that, that needs help. And you can help them and watch their face change. I told you I don't believe the ladies here today, or I, I wouldn't tell it, and I certainly wouldn't make a, a, a show of it. But when I was leaving prayer the one afternoon, a lady thought the prayer meeting was at, at the dome. She just started coming to church. So she had her Uber driver take her to the dome. He wouldn't take her back here. So she booked another Uber. He canceled, and she got another one. So she said, $38 later, I made it. She said, that's why I was 14 minutes late. But I got here, and the only reason, first of all, she never came to talk to me. I was leaving and saw a lady at prayer that I never saw before and thought I'd do what I figure pastors are supposed to do, talk to people. Be like warm. So I said, hey, hey, I, I've never, uh, comes real natural. I, I said, I said I've, I've never seen you before. I said, uh, are you new? She said, yeah, I just started coming two Sundays ago, and me and my girlfriends love it, and we wanted to come to church, or I wanted to come to prayer this week, and told me what happened. And she said, $38 later, I, um, I made it. And I know, I know the look, because I used to have the look. I know, I know what it feels like. Where a $38 unexpected expense cripples you for the month. And, and, and so I, I said, do you have a cash app? She said, I do. And then just kept talking to me. She didn't pick up on it. And then uh, when she finished talking, I said, there's $500 in your cash app. That wasn't from the church. That was from me. Well, it doesn't mean anything to me anyway. Someone had just sent me in the morning $1,000 on cash app. I don't even know who they are. They just And just said, thank you. I don't know what people are reading the books and feel blessed. Or what? But when, when you get into God's flow of riches, they don't, do you know, what's the main uh, hospital in Pittsburgh? What is it? UPMC. What's the P stand for? Presbyterian. When people believed in this country in the 1800s and 1900s, instead of wanting their tax dollars to do everything, there were Christians that built schools and universities privately and roads and hospital systems, I read about UPMC. It was a Presbyterian pastor's wife that got a vision to help sick people and took the money and started doing that. That had, when you watch what happened in Maui, 
And they tell every household they can have $700, and they haven't even gotten the $700 yet. While, while the government officials are staying in $2,000 a night hotel rooms. It's about high time that the church and Americans start getting interested in the part of the covenant that Jesus said, I took your poverty so that I can make you rich. If Revival Today Church went over to that side of Maui right now and just, and just started building homes privately and helping people and building shelter for while they're waiting and simultaneously with building the homes, you build a church. That church would pack out in weeks. And it's time that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ stop looking only with their son. I'm going to heaven. Great. That's great for you. But when are you going to get eyes to bless others, to lift other people, to turn people's frowns into smiles? I tell you again, I'm looking at a generation of people that are going to lay hold to the wealth of God and lift their nation. In Jesus' name, if you're one of them, let the Lord hear your great hand clap tonight. And I'll move on for the wealth thing. But let me, let me say one additional thing. Most preachers, and I grew up around preachers my whole life, they celebrate what people gave to them. True prosperity does not celebrate what people give to you. It appreciates it. But the true mark of prosperity is what you have been empowered to do for others. And if you're not interested in that, then you're never going to enter into prosperity. How are there people that just don't care to bless people? I, from a young age, I made up my mind. I don't, and I'm not saying this about my dad. I did that for Father's Day. I don't want to be the one that someone gave a suit to, although I've had, I'm happy when people do it. In fact, what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. I don't want to be the person bragging about where my main thing is somebody did something for me. I want my main stories to be what I sowed for, to other people. There's people that they're not moved by anything. I got to, how old do you have to get before you quit waiting on the government to help? They're not going to help. A ask the people in Maui what the government does when you're in main trouble, major trouble. Home burned, children dead, you get $700. Well, they ship how many? Empty the federal treasury to launder money in Eastern Europe. So as soon as that gets in you, like my friend Doug in the back, what's in your hand? You should start laying hold to this part of the covenant that I'm not just going to get the healing part. I'm not just getting the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to take the wealth of the wicked and use it to affect practical change in this land. Just you, give the Lord another hand clap one more time. Somebody say the word rich. He became poor. Not that your needs would be met, that you'd be made rich. He became poor that by his poverty. Where was he born? In a clinic? Not even a clinic. In a manger. He left the riches of heaven to come to the filth of this earth that by his poverty he would make you rich. That's out of context. Is it? Is 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and 9 talking about spiritual offerings? Or is it two chapters in the New Testament talking about physical offerings? Yeah, sure is. So don't tell me I'm wrong because I'm not wrong. And now I have the proof. 
Where are all these buildings coming from? And planes now. And television. And equipment and everything else. Because all your job is to do is believe it. I believed it. Got my wife sitting back there. She could, she could vouch for me. We believed it and spoke it. You'd have thought, I preached just like this when I was 27 with a minus bank account. You'd have never known it. You'd have never heard me mention it. You know, if I seem a little down today, I don't know, I just got some bad news about her. Never! I'd preach the whole week on the blessing of Abraham just to stick it to the devil. Oh, you're trying to hurt me financially? I had a lady at Bangor Savings Bank back in the old days. Bangor Savings Bank would write your balance on a piece of paper. The, the teller would tell you what your balance was on paper. Well, that's actually, I used to think, how dumb. But actually for them, that's pretty good because it doesn't hold up in court. Because they wouldn't write their name or anything. It was just written on like a torn piece of paper what your balance was. So you can't take it to a judge. So she wrote that my balance was like 180 some dollars. And then Dawson and I go to Vermont. You remember this? Yeah, we stopped, we stopped at Taco Bell and we stopped at a gas station to get a couple of Red Bulls because we were driving through the night. And then we get a call. This is like, what, 2006 or seven. We get a call. No, no, you know, no, no text. Like the cell phones are just starting to come into what they are now. So we, I get a call. Excuse me, you're overdrawn by $330. I said, well, I just checked my, my balance the other day. It was 187 bucks. Well, they must have wrote the wrong thing. And then because you went to Taco Bell, 30-some dollar overdraft charge, it was the most expensive fake Mexican meal anybody's ever eaten. <laughs> and uh, you, those Red Bulls cost 30-some bucks a piece on top. So now you're at minus 300-some dollars. I made up my mind just like I did for Spite-a-thon when that church in South Carolina kicked me out. Okay, if this is the devil trying to get me discouraged, in the area of money, then I'm going to preach the whole week on the blessing of Abraham. You'll think I'm Jesse Duplantis, Kenneth Copeland, and Jerry Savelle wrapped into one with King Solomon. Because my bank account's not who I am. The word is who I am. And the harsher the attack comes, the more I speak the word. And brother, those days are over. Because if you won't back down, the devil will back down. Your only job is to keep the faith. And tonight, every affront and assault against your faith in the word of God, it comes under a divine curse. You will have what God said you have. You will do what God said you'll do. You are who God said you are in Jesus' name. One last time, give the Lord the biggest hand clap that you've ever given anybody. You're coming out the law of substitution. He won't let my son go. I'll kill his son and you'll go. Somebody shout, I'm coming out. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor. That by his poverty, he could make you rich. Revelation 12, 11. Everybody say divine substitution. Scripturally, I'm not allowed to be sick. Scripturally, I'm not allowed to be depressed. Scripturally, I can never be poor. It's not possible. It's scripturally impossible. Revelation 12, 11. Good job reading that scripture, by the way, my friend. And they defeated him by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives even unto death. 
They defeated him how? By the blood of the lamb. Part of that law of divine substitution is Jesus could have never been arrested by those people if he didn't allow himself to be arrested. In fact, when, he, when they came looking for him, he stood where they were. He knew where they were going to come and said, who are you looking for? Jesus of Nazareth. And he said, I am. And they all fell to the ground backwards. He could have just stood there and said, I am for a thousand years. They just kept falling down until they died. He said he could have called legions of angels to level every Roman soldier and every person that took him in. But everybody say divine substitution. He took defeat so that you can never be defeated. I get upset if I lose a video game because it's unscriptural. Don't lose anything. Can you say amen? Because Jesus took defeat so that you and I can never be defeated. They overcame him by the blood of the lamb. Why? What does that mean? The blood of the lamb, him taking defeat and death and being buried. He took that so that I can live, have life, and win in the battles of life. Divine substitution. I can't lose. Someone lost for me so that I can win. He took it so I don't have to take it. I told you my wife's sitting back there as a witness. We were staying at a nice hotel in New York. When we went to that meeting in northern New Jersey, um, it got out earlier than I thought it was. So I just, we hadn't been to New York since before the lockdown. So I took her to a nice hotel and just figured we'll, we'll have a nice 20 hours together before we come back here and hit the grind again. And I went into this super nice hotel. And when you stay at those places, the peop- there's a lot of people staying there that they don't like spending money. So like they're staying there, but they're just like on edge because they, they spent more money than they'd like to spend. So this lady comes up and starts yelling at somebody in the lobby, one of the hotel workers. Excuse me, I want to use the bathroom and there's no toilet paper in the entire bathroom. How do you, how do you charge as much as you charge and you don't even have your, you know, and the lady, like the people who work at the hotels are trained to just say they're sorry. You can slap them in the face. Sorry that my head was there. I, I, I. So she's apologizing. And when the lady got about 25 seconds in, I had enough, and I figured I would invoke the law of divine substitution. I said, excuse me, ma'am. And she looked over. I said, don't yell at her. I stole all the toilet paper out of the women's bathroom. And she went, I'm being serious. I went, I am too. I said, I have a problem. And I was dressed just like this. I said, I have a problem where I steal things. I stole all the toilet paper out of the room. I said, she had just replaced it. And I said, to be honest with you, when she replaces it, I'll steal it again. <laughs> and the lady went like this and walked away. And the hotel worker went, thank you. I said, you're welcome. I took her beating. I've been in trouble so much, I like taking other people's trouble. It doesn't, <laughs> doesn't faze me anymore. And that lady went free. She was so happy. She, <laughs> hallelujah. Well, that's what Jesus did for us. The devil was looking to blast you. Jesus stepped in and let him blast him instead, but he didn't end there. He went down on the third day and took the keys from him and rose triumphant over him and rose up into heaven and holds the keys of death, hell, and the grave that those that call on him can live. Can you say amen? Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Anybody get anything out of tonight? The law of divine substitution. 
It's all through the Bible. Those demons that were in that guy went into a herd of pigs, unclean animal, and the man went free. Substitution. Ephesians 4, verse 7. Let me have it in the, in the King James, if you will. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. However, he has given to every one of us a no, uh, King James, please. I, I'm learning to hate the NLT. I'm starting to like it as much as less than BLTs. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Continue. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Nine. Now that he ascended, what is it but also that he descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above the heavens, that he might fill all things. Christ went to hell. Where was he in those three days that his body was reposed in the grave? The Bible says he went down into the lowest parts of the earth and stripped the keys from the devil and led captivity captive. So not only does the law of substitution apply where he took poverty and sickness and disease and sorrow and death, Jesus went to hell in my place that I could go to heaven with him. So this meal, this communion meal, again, what triggered all this law of substitution? On the night that they took, that they killed the lamb and painted its blood on the doorposts of their home and ate the bread, that miracle meal triggered a law of substitution where instead of them dying and being in captivity, Pharaoh's son died and the firstborn of Egypt died and the wealth of the wicked was transferred in to their hands. They left with Egypt silver and gold. Everybody say law of substitution. Law of substitution. And then Jesus carried that meal on at the Passover was when he served on the night he was to be betrayed. He gave this and said, this do in remembrance of me as often as you drink it. Now you know what you're remembering. And as we take this, let's remember our sins that put them on the cross. That's the opposite of what the Bible says to do. The Bible says forgetting those things that are behind. Everybody say forgetting those things that are behind. No, I'm remembering what Christ did by his blood and broken body so that I can have the divine rights that are afforded to every Christian. Very few walk in it because they're not taught it. My people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. People don't teach it. So then you can't know what, what, what you haven't been taught. My daughter Camila that just left with my wife, she's in fifth grade. She didn't know anything about physics or advanced U.S. history or global economics. She's in fifth grade. So if you keep a body of believers in fifth grade or third grade, they, they, they pay a price. Because there's lots of ways we're just going to play some sad music and eat this for some reason. But when you do it, knowing what was done, this is like a treatment. I told the Lord when I was getting ready today in the, in the bathroom to come preach, I was look, looking in the mirror. I said, Father, let everything that, that this packet contains, talking about the communion meal, all the power of it, loose it into my life, any, everything. Let this be my divine health treatment. I don't, the last time I went to a doctor has been a long time. And it was just to get uh, signed off on a form to go overseas to go preach. 
My, my physical to play ice hockey my senior year of high school in Maine was the last time I've gone for, like, something to be done to me. My dad doesn't go, and he's in his 60s. You know, this, this is a real thing. This is my medicine. I take this. I don't have a blue pill box at home, and if I did, I'd just put one of these in S-M-T-W-T-H-F-S-A. Because this is my miracle meal. Because he's Jehovah Rapha, my healer. He's the one that supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory. And so as we teach here, how many feel the presence of God in here? And along with that, the gift of faith. Praise God. And along with that, we teach here, because the Bible teaches it, faith is an action. Seeing their faith. So this is an action you take. It was an action to drive here. You know, I don't have to ask you, do you believe in communion? Why would you have driven here? You're just here last night. You're here almost till tonight. So you took action. Now you take further action. And remember what Jesus said in John chapter 6. He that eats my flesh and drinks my blood will live as I live. <laughs> Jesus isn't up in heaven with uh, lung disease. Jesus isn't up in heaven with glaucoma in one eye and can't drive at night. No. He's in heaven victorious. And he said, if you'll drink my blood and eat my flesh. And people couldn't take it back then. At this, many deserted him. Okay. I just wanted to see some blind people get healed. I'm not eating anybody's flesh. <laughs> he that eats my flesh and drinks my blood, one of the benefits is you'll live like I live. I would encourage you to do what you did tonight for the first Saturday of every month. Get in the communion service. And take your monthly treatment. You know, there's guys, you ever wonder how these politicians live so long? Most of them get a treatment done. Where they hook you up to a machine and they take out all your old blood and then they inject you with all new, young, healthy blood. And so that you can live a long time doing that because the life is in the what? Everything they're paying money to do. I am getting something better than that by receiving this in faith. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Every unclean thing in your body. When you drink and ingest this, this thing that left a factory as a chemical product is declared the life and flesh of our Lord Jesus Christ. It'll relubricate your knees and hips and joints and bones and shoulders. In Jesus' name, no sickness, no disease, no sorrow. None of the things we mentioned in Scripture tonight are permitted to exit this building with you by the efficacy of the blood and body of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. With your hands lifted, just begin to thank him. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Oh, you sound good. See, this is the benefit of having a church that prays themselves. Is when you say everybody pray, everybody doesn't just squint. People pray. You'll never be poor. You'll never be poor. You'll go to heaven rich. You'll never be sick. You'll go to heaven in a healed body. Just because you die doesn't mean you have to die sick. Thank you, Father, that Haman will hang on his own gallows. In Jesus' name.
In Jesus' name. Praise God. Trishala. I'm fuzzy on the story, but back I remember back in 2020, you were working in New York City, and your, your company, it was just you and one other person that you would talk to, right, about the things of God, and they called you and gave just you raises. Yeah, and that, that was in the like early part of the pandemic where they were doing cutbacks. They called them in and said, what did they say? What was their reason? Yeah, just them too. They're the only one. Everybody got paid decreases and they gave them a raise. And they told her, because she wrote me back then, I, they said, we don't even know why we're doing this. And, and I don't know that you're allowed to do that, HR-wise. Do you know there was, everybody says divine substitution. And he became poor. So you're not, she's not allowed to be poor. <laughs> so it's just not, can't happen. There was a guy that got saved when Adas and I were doing our meetings in Huntington, Pennsylvania, back in like 20... 10 or 11. He was 18. He got saved. Then he started coming to the day services. And back then I was teaching on, on finances in the day because it was fresh to me. And I just, I just would take the time to get it out of my system. And I enjoyed studying it myself because I was coming out of it. So he believed what I was preaching, right? So he puts for the first time, he puts a tithe and offering in. He goes to work. He was working, he was working at a company. I think it was a construction company. And the boss called him in and told him he's going to give him a raise. So he gives him a raise. HR called the boss and said, legally, you can't just give him a raise for no reason because he doesn't have the qualifications to what you raised him to. And there's other people that do have those qualifications that you didn't. So the boss, instead of calling him back in and revoking the raise, had HR rewrite uh, the protocols so that that kid could get a raise. Yeah. That's the power of God's word. When you believe it, there's nothing anybody can do to stop it. The only thing that can stop it is you not believing it. I don't know about that. Well, then you don't know about it. But if you believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Believest thou that I can make you to see? Yea, Lord, as your faith is, so be it unto you. That's it. Only believe. Only believe. All things are possible. Only believe. I don't have to climb stairs in Spain with bare knees till my knees bleed and whip my own back. No, Jesus did all that. So that's why Paul said, don't let be careful that no one beguile you from the simplicity of the gospel. Just believe. That's it. People wish it was more. Who wish you had the clutch beads, wear a cross, and go touch the wailing wall and get baptized in the Sea of, in the sea of Galilee or whatever, River Jordan. A person who gets baptized in the River Jordan with no faith or understanding of what they're doing will get less out of it than somebody gets baptized in that portable pool at the dome in Coriopolis. It's not the water, it's the faith. Even when you anoint people with oil, you know, look at the Christian TV, this oil was made with the same ingredients from Israel that the Old Testament, it's not the oil. Even in the anointing with oil, the prayer of faith has to be prayed. So faith, faith works anywhere. It's universal currency, unlike stubs. Amen? This communion was never served to the multitude. It was only served to disciples. Jesus fed the multitude, but he served communion to the disciples. You have to be redeemed to enjoy these benefits. If someone brought you tonight or you've come before 
and you, you've been in church, but you slipped away from God, or you brought yourself, like, the, like people are starting to do an answer to our prayer, where they just felt to come into that building. If you're here and you need to be born again, that's the first application of this redemption. And I'd like you to do it tonight so you can receive the communion. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here and you say, Jonathan, I've never given my life to Jesus Christ. If you're watching online and you need to get things right with God, you're living with a guy you're not married to, look over at him. He's not worth it. Make things right with God and then throw him out of your house. Have him sleep somewhere else tonight. He'll fend for himself. He's in his 40s. Amen? If you're here and you need to make things right with God, or online, I want you to quickly put your hand up. I'm going to pray with you right now in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Let's go to, when you go to bed tonight, have your head on your pillow knowing there's not one sin separating you from God. In Jesus' name. Hand up. If it's all believers here tonight, I want you that are watching online to pray this with me. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, I admit that I've sinned. I repent. I believe in my heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. I confess with my mouth, Jesus is Lord and my Savior. Right now, I receive forgiveness. By the blood of Jesus, I am saved. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer, I want you to go to revivaltoday.com. The most prominent button when you go on that page for a reason says, I just got saved. Click that and fill it out. I'm going to send you a Bible and other materials to help you live the Christian life. Even if you're watching me in uh, the Middle East or Europe, we have a post office, so I'd be happy to do it. We love you here in Pittsburgh, and you, you got a friend in us. Amen? All right. Has have everybody received the elements? Great. Well, now let's come up with me, and let's administer the communion together. to be a Korean surgeon to open this thing. There you go. Go ahead and break it. You do bread, I'll do blood. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you that this blood represents your body that was broken for us. We never have to tolerate sickness because your body was broken for it, Father. So we thank you as we receive this bread. I thank you that it absorbs every kind of poison, everything of sickness and disease, every plant. Every tree that was planted by the enemy and the bodies represented here. Father, we thank you that they're uprooted and destroyed completely just by ingesting the bread. In the mighty name of Jesus, we remember what you did on the cross and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. I'm going to have you do the blood too, but before you do, anything that's cancerous or precancerous in your body, this takes it out. The life of a thing is in its blood. This is the blood of Christ. There's no cancer, in, and the healthy thing overwhelms the unhealthy thing. In Jesus' name. Go ahead. 
Father, just as you stated in Leviticus that the life of a thing is in its blood, as we take this, which symbolizes your blood, I thank you, Father, that life is infused. Everything that is dead comes back to life now in the mighty name of Jesus. Every disc, every bone, every joint, every organ, tissue, marrow, cell, it comes back to life and is infused with the life-giving flow of Jesus Christ. We thank you for it. We put you into remembrance. And we say thank you that it is done in Jesus' name. Before you drink, is Jesus on dialysis in heaven? No. Does Jesus have high blood sugar? No. Does it, are his white blood cells too high? No. Those that drink my blood will live like I live. His blood now becomes your blood. Amen. Drink. Let's go ahead. Let's worship. From today, it will never lose its else you got? The blood that Jesus shed for me
Thank you, Jesus. You're worthy, O oh Lord, to receive glory. Why you'd ever come down to this earth and take all that for me, I don't know, but I'm so glad that you did. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you for wholeness. Thank you for long life. Thank you for strength. Now, unless the Bible's a complete lie, there should be dozens of people in this room that can do things they couldn't do before or feel God's healing touch, and there should be hundreds online with the same thing. So you should start testing what you couldn't do in your house there and do it. Because if the Bible's not fake, then those, those things are, are so in your body right now. How many people got saved at the outreach today? 23. Good job. What'd you preach on? Say it again. On the Holy Ghost in the courtyard of the, of the apartment complex. How many in attendance? Roughly? 74 in attendance, 23 came forward to receive Jesus Christ for the first time. Bible college students. How many? Ten baptized in the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues in the apartment complex. <laughs> Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? I saw some of the pictures. Young people too, right? How young, roughly? Ten years old. Eight, nine, ten. Received the Holy Ghost. That's right. Way to go. What a church. Now, tomorrow I'm going to preach what I intended to preach last week. Thankfully, it stayed burning in my spirit all this time. And uh, I was disciplined to stay off of it. So I wrote last week that if you're a, a member or friend of this ministry, I don't want you to miss tomorrow for anything because I'm going to go into the constitution of a Christian, what the Bible affords us. Because I hear people say things, not in our church, but even ministers, you know, I mean, no, we can go at any time. I mean, to say something like that, you're ignorant of a lot of scriptures about long life. In fact, my, my uh, former youth pastor, who's now our current, my co current co-laborer in the gospel, Pastor Dean, I remember at our old Pentecostal church, they would sing this song, and it had a verse, if I live to be 100, and become so blind I cannot see. I only want the Savior who died for me. So everybody would sing it. And I would watch him. I was 13 or 14. When it got to that part, he'd go like this. If I live to be 100. <laughs> you know, apparently he didn't feel like forfeiting his eyesight so something could, <laughs> so something could rhyme with Calvary. <laughs> So, you know, to say something like there's things, your confession's never going to be right until you know what the Bible says is yours. Not you can have, it is yours. It belongs to you. So I don't want, I'm not saying this so we can get a crowd to come. I'm telling you, you need to hear tomorrow's message because it's going to be what people don't know is part of their deal. That's part of your, your covenant package with Christ. They're not things you have to fight for or plead for. They're yours. But if you don't know what's yours, you'll forfeit it with your confession. 
You understand the economy is going to be bad towards the end of the year. Not for, that's not a Bible verse. So for me, it won't be. Amen? Amen. How many of you got something out of tonight? Give Jesus the biggest hand clap. Be seated briefly. I'm going to give you a, a quick moment to sow seed. The offering envelopes are in your seat. Seat back. If you're watching online, you can go to RevivalToday.com and click Give Now. I'll give you about two, two and a half minutes to do that. By his poverty, you might become rich. And then it tells you how you access that. He that sows sparingly will reap sparingly, but he who sows generously will reap a generous harvest. Will, not might. Giving guarantees fruitfulness. All you have to do to get out of a dry season is sow a seed. I don't understand where all this other tea, how many know sometimes we're in a dry season? Then sow a seed. Seeds, seeds demand fruitfulness. Isaac sowed in the midst of a severe famine and reaped a hundredfold for the Lord had blessed him. Seeds destroy dryness. Seeds destroy barrenness. No two ways about it. RevivalToday.com, you click Give Now. Let me have, um, for tomorrow, Sunday morning, let me have a copy of each of my Uncle Ted's books, the first one on the gifts of the Spirit and the second one. RevivalToday.com, Give Now. If you like what I uh, had to say about money tonight, of course, if you didn't, you'll hate this book. But it's the 20 laws that govern the financial anointing. Jesse Duplantis wrote the foreword, and for the first time, it's on, uh, it's number one on Amazon in its category, which is uh, Christian Stewardship, which in fairness has about six books that have ever been written on it, but still, it's number one. 20 Laws of the Government, and Dr. Duplantis wrote a great foreword. It's the biggest book I wrote. It's 200 and some pages. So if you're interested in that, how to go from a negative bank account to dominating in, in the realm of money. That's some things I've picked up out of, out of the Bible along the way. And you can get that on um, Amazon. You can pre-order. It comes out in a, in a few days. Praise the Lord. Ushers are ready. Go ahead and receive tonight's offering. Thank you for your giving online. Thank you for your giving here. Thank you for sharing the Jonathan Shuttlesworth podcast. If you're interested in supporting our mission to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ to our generation, please visit revivaltoday.com and click on Give Now to become one of our monthly partners. Thank you in advance. We hope to see you soon.